Welcome to the Social Mobility Commission podcast. This is our first one. And we're here at Michaela, where I'm headmistress, because I'm also the chair of the SMC, but I am headmistress here. And I am interviewing Lee Elliott Major on parenting, because we know just how important parenting is for social mobility. So yeah, I should tell the audience that this is Lee's book, and it's the reason why I invited you. Um, it's called The Good Parent Educator. And, you know, it's interesting because you are, I think, considered to be uh, a man of the left, although you might say you're a man of the centre. And um, people would say that I'm much more of a conservative. But when I read this, I found I was agreeing with much of what you were saying. And I thought, oh, that's fascinating, actually, that, um, you know, I think a lot of people would just imagine you and I would disagree. I think so. I mean, I, I wrote that book, you know, because I, I'm convinced that one, you know, parenting matters for social mobility. You know, if you look at any study, uh, we, we know that outcomes are driven by out of school factors as well as, as in school factors on average, right? Some schools do buck the trend, but on, on average, uh, the home environment is absolutely crucial. And yet, um, it's like a taboo subject, I feel, in, in social mobility. So when I talk to ministers, you know, to be frank, that they, they, they don't respond to some of the suggestions I've had over the years. Um, and my view is, is that we, we've, we've got this kind of sort of education arms race where to be to be frank you know the middle classes are investing ever more resources as I have done as a, as a parent right you know tutoring helping your children advocating for your children and I feel like if we can call them the middle classes there's a whole debate about what what is class these days but um broadly speaking the middle classes I feel are pulling away and yet we're not being explicit about the, the things that all parents should be doing with their children. And, and, and I fear that many children will be falling uh, further behind because of that. Yeah, yeah, I, and I agree with you completely. And why do you think, cause, I mean, I have my own ideas about why politicians don't really talk about parenting. I sort of feel it's because they know these are the people who are voting for them. And so wh whichever, it doesn't matter which type of politician, any party, they never talk about parenting because they wouldn't want to risk the votes. Is, what, would, what do you think? I, th I, think, I think ministers tend to be worried about seeing to be telling parents what to do. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the response I get. But I, I think it's a national scandal. I have to say, you know, there, there are too many uh, parents who are not given the information of what you can do to help your children. It, it seems to me that's not a political issue for me. That's just yeah. a fundamental issue of social mobility. Exactly. And so it's a really good point there. You're saying if you don't know certain things, it's very difficult for a family to enable social mobility for their child because they just don't they don't have access to that knowledge. So what sorts of things? I mean, you write about the early years, you write about reading. Uh, what kind of big ticket things are there? You, you, if some of our audience are, are people with small children, what do you think they should be doing? So one of the things, and I know you've spoken about this as well, you know, daily reading. I mean, the, the research, and I looked at loads of research on this, it's about 15, 20 minutes a day. Below that, you know, you, you don't see as much impact. I think just sitting down with, with your children, asking them questions. You know, some parents might not themselves have had, you know, good, good experiences at school and might, might not be able to read as well as others. But I think that the actual act of just sitting down with, with your children and, and, and shared reading, I, I suppose I'd call it. And that actually can be impactful all through the years, by the way, but particularly in, in the early years. So that's one thing I would say we need to work hard at. And, and I think we should have public campaigns on this. I think all schools, uh, maybe primary schools and secondary schools, should have 
explicit parent engagement strategies that should be a very prominent part of each school. We might, might get into what schools can do. So reading is one thing. I think routines is another thing that really comes up again and again. So if you sit down, I mean, it was really interesting here, sitting down for lunch here at, at Michaela, because yeah. it was... It was a great experience in many ways but what we what we find from the research is that you know that act of sitting down with your mum or your dad or your whoever it is routinely and eating and having a bit of a discussion about something yeah. is a very strong proxy or signal for better outcomes yes yes so, so, and you'd say what once a day in the evening at dinner yeah if if possible yeah um you know, and I struggled with this as a parent, to be to be honest. I, you know, you know, I, you know, we have two teenagers. Um, often they would wear headphones when we were having. We would say, "Look, sorry, can you take off your headphones?" Right? You know, um, I think this is this is this the fact that you call them headphones, <laughs> but it, <laughs> sort of dates you because I don't think your teenagers would call them headphones. But anyway, That's probably right. I, I say disco as well, and things like that. But um, but yeah, I think it, this applies. For all parents, right? And and I and I do, I, you know, a lot of my work, as you know, is about class divides. And I, I think, in a way, we should put away the class discussions, and this yeah. should be about what is it, what works, what works. Yeah. And I really think that that should be the debate. Okay, and so you're talking about the kind of three, four, five-year-olds. What about the two-year-olds? What about the little ones who don't yet speak? What what advice would you have for parents with those with that age child? So I'm less of an expert on that, but what. I found reviewing the research was there was lots of dis discussion about what we call oracy, you know, just talking with your children. I mean, I, I'm I'm a musician, so I, I played guitar a lot with my children. I, I have this theory that that helped them in some way. Um, but, you know, you, you're, you're talking with your children, even if they're not responding in some ways, I think you're giving them sort of, you know, they're hearing that language. So, so I think this this idea of uh, of talking with your with your children is is really important at, the, at those um, early yeah. ages. Well, and what you say there, I often say something similar, which is that you've taken something you like the guitar, so you shared that with your children. Somebody else might like cooking. Somebody might like board games. Whatever it is, you do the thing that you really enjoy with them, and you talk a lot about it. And I, I think one of the problems sometimes for some families is that. It's a bit odd speaking to a child all the time who doesn't respond, you know. And for some families, they think, well, obviously, you see the toddler, hello, how are you? What have you been doing today? I've been to the park. Oh, I bet you've been somewhere interesting. And it's a bit odd because you're responding for the child. And if you're not used to that, how are you meant to know that that's what, you're, what, that's what you should do? And of course, if you don't, I mean, in terms of w what you know of the research and so on, w what happens if... if uh, if the ch child isn't spoken to a lot when they're younger, what do you find? I mean, I know anecdotally what I find in, in schools. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, again, you know, I've seen lots of different uh, researches on, and, and, and to me, anecdotally, I find, you know, I've got older children now, you know, when you look, when you compare the private versus state schools on average, what, yeah. what really strikes me yeah. is that the private school, on average, this is, are, are just much more, um, it's not just being articulate, they're able to converse with me in a way, by the way, that some of your students did here today, I have to say. Um, and, you know, I think there that is a real skill, actually. Yes. And, and I would argue these things, again, aren't, you know, I'm not 
superimposing some sort of middle class values on this. I just think that is a life skill that we we should all have to some extent, right? Yeah. And, and and I think that sh that is what when I talk about parenting skills, if you like, it, it's about those core things that are associated with very positive life outcomes. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you know, when I talk about life outcomes, I, I guess. I'm talking, you know, another scandal in our country, I think, is we, we have, you know, around 30% of children that leave school without basic numeracy and literacy. Yeah. You know, I think every child should have those, those yeah. basics. I agree. And are able to converse yes. with an adult. I don't think that's too hard an ask. Yes. Well, and of course, you sat at lunch, and when you say they were able to talk to you in a way that you found impressive, it's what we do at lunchtime here. Every day, they're able to sit down, they're given a topic for conversation, and then they're learning how to have a meal and talk to each other. And that might be because it's not necessarily happening at home. For some of them it is, for some of them, for some of them it isn't. And so, you know, for our viewers who are parents, as you're saying, it's just so important to do that sort of stuff because it builds those social skills that you say school is, is there for. And, and you, and you need, that, need that built at home as well. Okay, so other things I wanted to ask you about. Um, you talked about choosing schools and uh, what kinds of, you know, what, what, what advice do you have? My friends come up to me and they say, you know, especially when it comes to secondary school, they don't know how, how, which school, how, how do they know which school is better than the other school? I always tell them to go and look at the bus stop and see what the kids are like outside the school. Uh, what advice would you give to families? So one of the things I think it is important to go and visit the school uh, and I, I would ask some really good questions. Like, so one of the things we know, the, there is a stronger variation in teaching within each school than between schools. So what do I mean by that? So, so in every school, there, there probably are some really good, good teaching going on. Yeah. But there's also teaching that needs improvement. I'll put it that way, yeah. right? And there's probably even here, you know, uh, although I have to say there was a lot of consistency in the classrooms that I observed today. Um, but, you know, for parents, you know, I, I would ask the, the senior teacher or, or head teacher you know how are you improving teaching across the school because you know teaching can always be improved and in a way it's kind of interesting to get the answer you know there's not any right or wrong answer in a way but I you know I'd be really interested to know what the head teacher says um I, you know, because that that should be this. Every school is is always thinking about that. Um, you know, I, I think. Ask former pupils and parents about about the school. It, what the, one of the problems it is with league tables is they're they're, they're historical, right? That, that you know you're that is a uh, so the school can change quite a lot uh, because that that is historical in a sense. So you've got to be really careful with Explain those. Explain what you mean for for viewers. What do you mean? So so you know so a league table is is a is a is a, is a you know, ranks a school on their GCSE or A-level results for secondary school, but those will be children that have already left and that started school, what, seven years ago. So in a way, what you're trying to do is find out what's happening now, because schools can yeah. change quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so I would, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the, the, the sort of hardest, I guess, parent of all. I used to go around, I, one of the questions I had, I remember, was uh, what's your selection policy here? So, so a lot of schools still do setting, and I would say, okay, and now, setting can be done poorly and and well but i would ask you know what how are you doing it why do you do it in maths and not english etc and what kind of answer did you want to hear well you know i wanted a justification that if you're doing 
something like setting that there there is genuine flexibility in that setting so that you are um, assessing children all through so there is movement between the sets far too often what you what you see in schools Mm -hmm. is you you get those sets that are stuck and it's very hard so you know good schools are schools that are constantly uh, appraising where their children are in their development yeah 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 okay good and um what about homework? What would you say whenever I'm speaking to parents, their, their thing is, oh my goodness, the homework, how do I get them to do it? Especially as they get older. So when they're smaller, they're more willing, more pliable. But then when they're 14, 15, they don't want to do it. What kind of advice do you have for parents around homework? So there's this thing called the, the, the 10 minute rule in homework uh, from, from education research. And, and that is that you shouldn't spend more than 10 minutes a, a night uh, on homework for each year group. So if you're year one, you shouldn't do more ten, than 10 minutes. By by end of sixth form, you might challenge me on this. By end of sixth form, it shouldn't be more than two hours a night. The reason that is said is that you get these diminishing returns. Um, so, 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 the, you know, children we all can only concentrate for so much so so much time right so so if if you're doing two hours of intensive homework each evening over and above school um for many children that's a lot so so you get what you get less of an impact the more you're doing it it's difficult i think for secondary schools because you've got always different departments setting homework at different times but i think i think in some ways less is more it, it's about like, all these things in education it's about the quality i agree and i yeah 100 percent. and sometimes schools set all sorts of ridiculous homework homework where they're just coloring things in or whatever it is and that just that's silly but if it's good quality homework what what we often try and push here is the is the Pomodoro technique you know where you we'll say 20-25 minutes you do your work then you take a 10 minute break and you use a little timer so you time yourself at 20-25 minutes because you you know, the child knows that the end is in sight and then, and then it goes ding and then they think, whoopee, I've got my 10 minute break, but you time the break and they can do whatever they want and then they come back to it. So it's broken up a bit more. Um, we would push for a bit more than two uh, up at GCSE level and A level. You know, you're looking more at about three, uh, but they would split it up, you know, and, um, and we would support them with homework schedules and being careful I mean, it's a big thing that I'm, we're actually looking at in the school right now in terms of the homework and making sure that it is of good quality. Because as you say, if it isn't, then we're just wasting their time. And I know parents can get frustrated, very frustrated with homework that they feel is a bit silly and isn't helping their kid. It It either has to prepare the child for the next lesson or consolidate what's happening in the previous lesson. If you're not doing that, it's not particularly useful. At primary school, by the way, there's a lot of it that suggests it's not, impactful at all i think i suggest that's because it's not very well done there's always these caveats to education research Uh, what i'd say for parents though is i think you can help even at at secondary school in terms of just um time time management for example or or asking questions and one one thing you can do as a parent even if you don't know the maths or or, you know because it gets quite you know difficult at those is, is to ask questions you know you could you can do so the best thing we found for revision is asking questions so a lot of pupils I see who are doing the sort of highlighting and the rewriting which we all it's it's not testing you you know so so I think if parents can and I did this with my children you know I, I sort of I remember doing the times tables with them and I and I would you know test them all through um, but trying to do it in a fun way he said you know, I, I remember with my daughter, we used to do sort of a trampoline on the bed, making a mess of the bed while trying to ask her. So, you, so I think there's, I mean, teachers know all these tricks, by the way. Um, I think what I, 
but I would stress with all this though that you know, as a parent don't think you can be a teacher because I do speak to some parents and they think that they can teach because you know it's one of these strange things you know I would see it as one of the greatest professions you know and it's yeah. uh, and yet you know I have all sorts of friends who sort of think that they, they have opinions about how teaching should be done who have had no training in teaching yeah. and it just seems to be prey to that sort of um, thinking that you can teach and I can tell you because I've tried it a few times it's much harder than you think yeah. you know so so that's something I think you've got to be careful of you know you as a parent I think you can do some things but you can't teach yeah well I mean you're talking about reviewing things and helping them learn stuff but it's not the same as, as teaching as you say and I just wonder when and why would you ever support homeschooling so I'm not a fan of homeschooling. I'm, I'm trying to think what I, I said in the book now, but I, th I think the context of that book was written during the pandemic when there was a lot of homeschooling going on. Um, I'm not a fan because I think uh, schools are not just about academic learning. They're about socialization. They're about many other things. So I do worry, actually, and there are increasing numbers of, of, of people that are doing home um, learning, I do worry about it, actually. I mean, I, you know, people have their choice, but, but my view is that you get a lot more in a good school that, than, than at home. Okay. And is there any, like, why do you think that they're, they're, they're choosing to homeschool? So that's a really interest, interesting question. And, you know, and, and at the moment, I think we have a, a bit of a crisis, actually, in terms of attendance generally. So last year, you know, we had some of the biggest rates of non-attendance of persistent absence across the school system than we've had for well decades probably and a lot of teachers I talk to about about this they, they think that something has changed right during the pandemic that a lot of families for whatever reason are now making choices that saying well we're not going to send our children into school right and now I don't know quite why that's happening but I certainly think it's one of the big issues that's facing the education system. So I think that there seems to be uh, out there, um, among some families anyway, um, a changing sort of opinion about whether their children should go to school. What's, what's driving that? I, I don't know, actually, but it worries me. Do you not think it might be that during the pandemic they saw some of the lessons online and they weren't very impressed, perhaps, and then they got worried and decided to pull their children out and homeschool? Yeah. Possibly, I know some people talk about the rising rising levels of, of, of you know anxiety among among both parents and children. I don't think that's the whole reason. And um, you know, a lot of school teachers I talk to say, well, actually, we've got to make our schools um, you know better. Actually, uh, some teachers will say to me that actually this is a sign that we're not doing good enough. Right. You know? Right. Well, yeah. So it would suggest maybe. I mean, because of course parents don't really get into lessons you know, into the, into the schools normally. But I suppose through the pandemic, they were sort of in lessons to a certain extent, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think parents, some, pa you know, in the book, I talk about some parents who were starting to get more interested in their children's development, yeah. right? So they were starting to look, it's quite scary, I think, for some schools where these where they were looking at yeah. some of the, the, the material online about, you know, child development and what's expected at different ages. And they were sort of going to go into their yeah. parent-teacher meeting with some really quite, you know, hard questions. And, and I think that maybe that dynamic between parent and teacher might be changing, actually. One thing I think we may disagree on, I'm not sure, is your approach to the digital world. Uh, you were sort of saying we need to teach them. 
Well, and I'm not against what you'd say about the idea of being responsible and where the good sites are and so on. And I suppose you can do that. But the key thing I'm always saying to our parents is you have to be watching that screen at all times. <laughs> if you're not, they are doing all sorts of nonsense and they maximize the homework that we've given them and they're busy doing that. And then you walk into the kitchen and they minimize and maximize Snapchat. You know, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I might be a bit guilty here as the sort of professor who, who looks at all the theory. And I'm just conscious you probably see it much more on the front line, if you like. But I tried to review what research was out there on these different issues. And one of the things that came across in that research was that the, the researchers were suggesting that it's better to have a discussion with your son or daughter rather than trying to police it. That came, you know, so... so um, just telling them not to do it and, and, and almost sort of being uh, sort of policing it, the researchers were arguing it, it is less productive in a family environment. Now, I don't think that was a school environment, to be honest, but I do, I do worry, I have to say, you know, with with the, the, the amount of digital, I'm trying to think what the, the word would be now, but, um, yeah. um, you know. They're an easy babysitter. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. Whatever age the child, it's so easy to just give them the phone or give them a laptop or tablet, and then it keeps them busy. You know, you might see people in a restaurant, and then, you know, two people, they want to have a conversation, and they just give the toddler the phone. And I'm always wanting to go up and say, take the phone away, you know, because my worries are always, if your child, especially at such a young age, is on the phone all the time with all those colors and uh, pop-ups and explosions and so on, it's very difficult for a book to compete with that. And the book is flat and black and white. And then when your child finds that boring because they'd rather be on their tablet, you'll say, well, he never really took to reading. But actually, he didn't take to reading because you gave him the phone. That, that's, that, what do you think? Do you think I'm being too harsh? Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I suppose the only thing I'd say is that we, we don't know what the future holds. And I, and I suppose it's going to be increasingly digital. So I'm just conscious that, you know, I mean, I love books. You know, I do think children should read books, but increasingly they're going to have digital, have to have digital sort of skills as well, I suppose. And, and I, I've had some interesting discussions with teachers over the years about, for example, you know, with families, should we put our subtitles on all um films for example on tv because the, the, the again i haven't seen research on this but we were we were sort of thinking well actually in the homes if you just saw words even though if you were looking at a screen would that be just slightly better than just looking at a screen um so you know i think you've got to um think of uh, improvised ways i mean I, I think when i wrote that book um a lot of people enjoyed it but I, I think it's quite high expectations in there you know i'm sort of saying right you've got to sit down for 15 minutes with with your children reading and and I, so I, I suppose i'm just conscious that parents are under a lot of pressure mm -hmm. so i'm always trying to think of what are the practical ways you can uh, you can do these things but 15 minutes is not for me that's not a long time you know no it isn't but of course when you have four children it becomes more difficult but the thing is all the research shows certainly all of my anecdotal experience is that if you don't do that your child unless he's exceptional in some kind of way is going to struggle later and that those early years are just so important absolutely they're so important because we get them at 11 yeah. and then we're trying to get them to read at their chronological reading age mm. and and it's so hard mm. and the thing is even though we find that we'll catch them up they don't ever love reading you know it, it's if a child is has struggled for so long with reading even if the school manages to catch them up and i have to say often that isn't the, isn't necessarily the case i mean i i mean just across the country um 
to, to then get to a point of loving reading, if they haven't loved it before age six, and when I say loved it, not necessarily that they were these great readers, but they liked books, they liked the pictures, they liked turning the pages, all that sort of stuff. And of course, as you will know, the reason why reading is so important is because you can follow a narrative, you, you're, you're able to let your imagination go wild and imagining that what's going on. Whereas if you're on Snapchat, just watching some video for 20 seconds of where somebody's being insulted or whatever it is, you're not really, you're not getting to grasp your grips with the characters. You're not feeling sad for one of them and happy for the other one and so on. So um, I'd say it's even more, uh, the, the, you know, the scandal for me is that there are many young people who leave school who yes. aren't able to actually digest a, a trained timetable. According to the statistics that we produce nationally, and everyone's always surprised at this, but, you know, literally being able to, to, to read, I know, a, a household bill or, or whatever it is. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I'm interested in almost that functional level. Now, I agree with you that you also want yes. people to enjoy the narrative and all that stuff, but I think yes. we're even at a, a yes. point where we're not addressing those, what I would yes. call functional skills. Yeah. Yes. And, and a lot of people don't realize just how many people are in that situation. Absolutely. Like, I, I'm, I imagine our viewers will listen to you and think, oh, it's not that bad, come mm. on. Or there's a couple of people, but not very many. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's a far bigger problem than we realize. And then yeah. for, the, for their whole lives, uh, they are then at a huge disadvantage. Absolutely. And it's very hard for an adult to catch up on that. Um, okay, now, uh, what, um, what's the hardest thing you think? about parenting? That's a really good question. Um, do you know, you know, I was thinking while we were talking about reading, you know, I, th I think consistency, you know, and, and when you go to really good schools, one of the things you, you find is it's consistent, right? And I think we all live, live complex lives. And I, I think as a parent, you, you just got to sort of be so consistent in a way in, in your support. And I, I think we're all kind of human. So I think... Explain what that means. How can a parent be inconsistent and then consistent? I mean, if you give an example, I mean, I, I think I know what you mean, but go on. Well, I'm just thinking for me personally here, you know, so, you know, for example, just reading, you know, one of the things we know about reading is, is, is that sort of 15 minutes a day, but it's doing it daily. And we know all these things work if they're done routinely, consistently. And I think as parents, we just have ups and downs. So there's some weeks I remember I, I probably wouldn't sit down with my children, you know, yes. and then I'd come in. So I, I do think that is quite difficult. And schools, I think probably, if they're good, yes. probably get that. So I, I think that would be one of the things okay. I would say. I mean, it's interesting because I was interpreting your consistency point, which I I, I, I agree with, more along the lines of both parents need to be consistent with each other. So when people talk about families that are split, for instance, I always think one of the big reasons why some of their, those children from split families can find it more difficult to succeed is because of the inconsistency that that creates between the parents. Mm. And that if the parents are split, some good advice for them is, okay, you split up, it's a, it's a sad situation, but to make the most of it, still be consistent as parents. So if bedtime is at, is at nine o'clock, both of you need to make sure bedtime is at nine o'clock. Or if you think that um, they shouldn't watch TV after nine or they shouldn't be online after nine, both of you say that. And if you can get the same similar consistent approach, it's almost like they're in the same household, right? Because, and I always think that's the thing that really, 
like when they say two parents need to be there, it's because when they're in the same household, they're far more likely to be consistent with each other. And when they're in different households, uh, there, there is less consistency. What do you think about my... Well, it, it, the, the, the research is really interesting on this because I looked it up for the, for the book and, and you're absolutely right. If, if you have parents that are inconsistent, it's not good for the children. It's yeah. not no surprise there. I, I think what, what was a relief in some ways was that even if, if one of you is, is helping, it, it is better than none of, than, than none of you, but, but you're absolutely right. It, it, that's more important than whether in a way you're living in the same home is, is, uh, is there consistency. And I can tell you having teenagers as well, it, it really, you really need it when, when, they, when they become teenagers because then there's all sorts of barriers that they're pushing on that I think you need. I'm not perfect on this, by the way, but. Yeah, but, uh, no, no, obviously. Not. I, I, think, I think that's the thing with these discussions. You know, we're all trying, I think for me, it's about trying to be consistent, you know, um, but you need, to, you need to talk with each other, whoever the parents are. Yeah. Certainly, I think that, that, that is, is true. Yeah. What, what are your rules in a way as a family, if I put yeah. that way? And of course, I've always think, you know, my experience as a teacher and headmistress is that that's because children, as you said earlier, love routine. They love predictability. They feel safe in an environment which they know. And um, when a parent or parents are unpredictable, they then the next time don't know what to expect. And that, that is quite frightening for a child. Would you you would agree with that? Yes, I do. I, I think so as well. I, I mean, I, I mean, I was thinking as well with this conversation is as parents, you've got to get the balance right. So, you know, we, we got some extra tutoring for our children when, when that was needed. But I think we were very conscious that we didn't want that to become just a big part of their lives in the sense of becoming dependent on tutoring. Because I, for some young people, I worry that it's just, oh, well, I can't do this get a tutor you know and actually what you want them to become is independent learners so I think I think just for parents I'm just, you know you've got to get it's, it's, so it's, tell me well, the details around the tutor how did you deal with that situation and not wanting to make them dependent but also wanting to use a tutor well you know one of our children was just struggling in in, in one uh, subject um, and so we actually got a, a student a PhD student to help to help us and, and that was interesting um, you know because I, I know all the research but when you actually you do this these things it's kind of interesting when you when you when you kind of live it um, and often with tutoring uh, it, it's the chemistry actually between whoever the tutor is and your child that matters yeah. so um, but you know th that that was done I know for we did it for about 10 weeks I think uh, and, and then and then we, so we you mean you think short bursts well the evidence would suggest around 10 weeks of, of, of tutoring can can help um, what longer doesn't help wouldn't I mean that's interesting I don't know well, I suppose it, less than t than ten weeks. The evidence would suggest that you know it's not as impact. And it's, it's interesting. I don't know if you, you've had the national tutoring program here. This is the government program for that. One of my worries with that is it, the tutors that were being used did they did they do it for ten weeks? Because if you do less than that, I think the the, the impact's going to be quite less. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I think you've got to sit down with your children and 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 sort of reassess, I suppose, what what the needs are. You know, it's very difficult as a parent, I think, because, you know, because you love your children, right? You want the best for them, but you, you, you've got, I, is it, would you call it tough love? I struggle with this because I, I tend to be more towards the love loving side and, and my partner tends to be more towards the tough side. Maybe it works. I don't know. But I think you probably do need both. And, and, and I, I, you know, I do worry with some of the middle class families that I meet that, that, it, that it's gone over the top almost that they're. The too much support and and that right. there's when you say too much support what do you mean I, I suppose more tutoring i mean there's listen um 
there is. I've said this before, and pe- people have thought it's controversial. But there's a lot of cheating that goes on in. in so this 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 educational arms race that we, we spoke about. Um, I think parents feel under so much pressure to do the best for their children that they will engage in things like tutoring. But they're also, you know, they might sort of rent a, a, a flat near a, a, a sort of destination, you know, a school that's sought after. They might help their children with an essay that, you know, I, I did a big thing on personal statements. So when you apply to university, you have to do this 500 word statement you know you have to sort of sell yourself um increasingly i'm finding that when i talk to people it's often the parents that are writing that rather than the child now i think you can give some help you can edit but if you give too much help i I think then your son or daughter is going to end up at some point they're going to have to live on their own right so so i think again i think good teachers for me it's all about creating what i would call independent thinkers learners right and that that's what teachers do i don't think parents quite understand that sometimes and i think they they over help um and and the children will at some point are gonna have to fend for themselves so yeah to wrap up let me ask you for what if you had one piece of advice (laughs) to give to parents what would it be you know i I think i think the the the, the, for, for young children i think reading would be my number one okay Good. Yeah, if you really pushed me on, yeah. on, on, I think that because it's such a basic for young children, for young children, and for the older ones. What would I say to parents? I'd have to think about that. I mean, you wouldn't I, say reading again. Well, yeah, we know actually post-pandemic that there are many children who do not have what we would call foundational literacy in early secondary school. So that's basically yeah. being able to write. A sentence properly yeah. so um so maybe it is reading and writing you know um yeah. if that's the one thing you could give you i mean the other thing i suppose and it's hard to really define this it, it is having that sort of confidence to advocate for yourself i when, when i talk to students yeah. um I, I talk about assertiveness you know i talk about being assertive not being arrogant but sort of i, I suppose just asking for things and, and even and, and I think there's something about that that I that I that I, I see a, a lot in I suppose successful people in all walks of life yeah. it's that sort of ability to to just be assertive and go for things I suppose it's, it's that confidence yeah. so if you can if you can instill that in your child right. whatever they do um, I, I think that that is an, an amazing thing and, and and you know how you do that is, an, is another question but I, I think you know, I again, a name. yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I, it's a good point. I wouldn't have thought of it necessarily myself, but it's a good one. All right, Lee, thanks so much thanks for coming much. along. <laughs>